you know, if you're new, people know you're new. It's just in your head that you think you should be, uh, you know, go from zero to a hundred to be like, you know, a guru. You won't be. So little accomplishments, you know, small steps, small minds, milestones, and that's going to help you build that confidence. Be like, oh, okay, I got this right. Let's keep going. You know, people will take a chance on you because totally. I think people hire for personality more than they do for skill sets. Skills you can teach. You can learn tools. It's your eagerness to work and mm. be diligent. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Dumbing Down Data, where we talk to people in the tech space about how they broke into the industry and all their best kept secrets on how to navigate. And today I'm talking to Stan. I'm really excited to bring him on and learn a little bit about how he started in tech first and foremost, because as we see a lot in this podcast is you don't need to really start with a tech background and you can go through a lot of struggles along your way before you find your career. So Stan, my first and foremost question or my first couple of questions is gonna be, who are you? What do you do right now? And how did you get into the tech industry? And I think everybody listening should really pay attention because he has a very cool story about trials and tribulations to get here. So Stan, why don't you take it out? Thanks. Um, so yeah, my name is Stan. I've been in tech for over 10 years uh, in one form or another in various different industries. I uh, work as an insights manager and uh, slash programmer, uh, dabble in databases um, and Essentially, I started my career not working in tech at all. I graduated college with a business degree uh, with a minor in HR and finance, which had almost nothing to do with the tech at the time. Graduating in 2009 being probably the worst time to graduate on the planet in the past, you know, 10, 15 years. Uh, that kind of led me on to doing a lot of odd jobs, not doing anything that had to do even with my major, simply because there was no, nobody was hiring. Uh, and then due to knowing people, networking, and having a friend that kind of kick-started my career, uh, she gave me an opportunity to, you know, work as a temp at uh, Samsung Electronics, which started my uh, route in tech. And uh, that's kind of how I got here today. Amazing. So is what do you think inspired you to get into the tech industry? It sounds like you were kind of led into it through a friend, but what really kickstarted your decision to join Samsung from having a completely different major before? I'll be completely honest, back when I was really young and right out of school, it was just the opportunity that came along. I was literally looking for you know anything, but once I got hired, um, again, being, in, being a temp in the company I wasn't like oh my god Samsung is going to be the way to go that wasn't even on my radar when I was first starting out but entering the company seeing what they're capable of and knowing how you know these giant tech companies work really kind of juiced my interest in this and I mm. wanted to get, you know find out more um, yeah so working at that company and then kind of integrating myself into what they do meeting the right kind of people I got hired internally and uh we started uh, working in 2011 on Galaxy tablets, which kind of blew up into a billion dollar business. And I was part of that wave, which was very exciting. And that was my foray into data, product management, supply chain, and other things that, you know, um, that are relevant to tech. 
you graduated. Mm-hmm. You had a bunch of struggles along the way. And then you had a friend who basically referred you into this temp position. One of the amazing things that you can bring into your career journey is networking, is knowing people within different within different companies, industries, whatever the case is, that can help you lead yourself into different places. And like Stan, I guess in your case, it's like, you just wanted a way in and this was a really good opportunity. And sometimes opportunities come and we don't know what they mean, especially if exactly. they're not really related to what we're doing, but you're like, mm-hmm. sure, why not? Right? Kind of, is that how it felt in the beginning? A hundred percent, you know, <laughs> especially being fresh out of college, not knowing any kind of industry tools or what they even want, you know, from me. It wasn't like, oh, here's a job description. I kind of know what I'm doing. It's like, hey, there's this position, do you want to work? I'm like, yeah. And then I kind of, so I guess one of the things and one of the main pieces of advice I, without getting into, you know, too technical is that um, learn from your peers and ask Mm -hmm. what kind of tools you need to know um, as a kind of basis of what, you know, is going to help you um, kind of succeed later on. So me not knowing anything, I'm like, what do I need to know? Okay, industry tools, I'm going to need to know Excel, I'm going to need to know all of the Microsoft stuff, I'm going to need to know some database things. And you know, it sounds very intimidating. But back then in 2011, I mean, YouTube already existed, but there wasn't this much, this much like education as it is now, you still had to really look for it or ask people to teach you. Nowadays, if you know, you know, where you're going into, search some of the tools that you're going to use and mm-hmm. it's going to help you like crazy. So it's like a lot of learn as you go and look for 100%. the resources, which is something that you're not the only one to bring this up, which is there are so many resources out there that you can kind of pick along the way as you grow into your role. So what was your temporal exactly that you got into first? Uh, it, essentially it was, um, kind of a data entry role, just taking uh, records and files and digitizing them into literally just a filing troll. That was basically the most base position that it could have happened. Um, But that kind of led me into a product analyst role, which was, again, meeting the right people within the company, obviously looking and, you know, referring to people be like, hey, what, what are positions open that will qualify me? And then you know, talking and uh, making sure you kind of, um, you can bring value to these people and say, hey, I see an opening in your company. I have these set of skills. I can help you guys accomplish this and this and that. Do you think you can? And, you know, people will take a chance on you because totally. I think people hire for personality more than they do for skill sets. Skills you can teach. You can learn tools. It's your eagerness to work and mm. be diligent. Such a good point. What would you say are some of the main skills that you acquired or just had already as a natural person that led you to be able to grow in this technical journey or data? Or- I would say, yeah, I, I know what you mean. And I think the number one skill that I think I've had that helped me along the way is just being like a natural tinker. I love knowing how things are, you know, how things work and how to take them apart and how to put them together. And I also learned how I learned over time. So being curious, 100%, um, being um, inquisitive, asking a ton of questions. 
the more questions you ask, it's going to show the person that you want to learn. And also it's going to answer all the questions that you need. Uh, speaking, when I was younger, I was terrified, you know, especially mm -hmm. like presenting. I mean, I've presented it like in college before, but it's just like my friends, right? But at work, especially in like a Fortune 500 company, when you're like, okay, you know, put this together and like speak in front of like 30, 40 people as like a early 20 year old, you're just terrified out of your head. And it's just like, you know, but with practice and, you know, get advice from people, you're going to get good at. So, you know, speaking was never a soft skill of mine. It, that I guess that came later on if it did. Uh, but my well, you're here skill, now speaking, so <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, now I'm okay. And I've done you know tons of presentations now, and it's and I think when it comes down to speaking, is just know what you're talking about. So know exactly what you're talking about. Make some bullet points, and then just stick to them, um, and don't be afraid of questions. That's another thing. Uh, and if mm. you can't answer a question, just say, acknowledge the question and be like, hey, that's a great question. You know, I'm definitely going to, you know, find out or I'll uh, follow up on it. Mm. So it, it's, it's okay not to know stuff. So, and I think that terrifies people at all. But I back back to your original question, I think it has more to do with like just the curiosity of taking stuff apart, putting it back together and knowing how things work. And that's what helped me along the way. I, I Nobody taught me how to program, how to use databases, how to even use, let's think about high school and, you know, college. Did they ever really teach you how to use Excel on like a intermediary level? I don't think they did. I don't know about you, but they haven't told me any, taught me any of those things. First of all, every single episode so far, I think, has mentioned the word curiosity in their experience. And so it's very fascinating to me because we're looking at a tech industry, which is what we think very technical, very formulated, very mathematical, but Every single person that I've spoken with so far has talked about their curiosity. And one of the things I say is that if we are, if you want to get into tech, if you want to grow in the tech industry, your curiosity to actually understand the industry and actually understand what you're doing and how it matches to everything that's going on in your company or your sphere is huge. Because once you get curious, you then start picking up on things and then you start learning more or finding where you want to ask the questions, kind of like what you said, asking questions and everything like that. And that's how you learn. And that's how you become awesome. Right. So mm -hmm. one of that's, it's so interesting that you said that. And I, it just fires me up because curiosity is what's led me to this podcast. It's what led me to my career. It's what's led me to literally everything that I'm doing in my life. And it's honestly something that I, I think that more people should really try to, absorb because I feel like we get into this autopilot and then we don't want to get curious about maybe going into things that aren't in our comfort zone. So I love that you mentioned that. Um, uh, there's so many other things that I think you brought up, but ex back to what you said about Excel and stuff. It's like, what's interesting is that you go to school and I think that maybe you can have a course in Excel, maybe. But what's very interesting is that no matter what you learn, when you apply it into different industries and different places, they're actually very different. They operate differently no matter where you go. So you have to still learn on the go, no matter what you do. And it goes back to the fact that experience is all about 
just doing. And the last thing I want to touch on, because Stan, I love that you brought this up. And it's actually something that is my own problem that you almost like were reminding me is not to be afraid of questions. So I work in, um, I'm a training enablement specialist. I work in front of clients. I teach them all about a a platform and I walk them through all the technicalities of it. And I get a lot of questions. And that is the scariest thing in my life because I'm afraid of not knowing. And I'm starting to Mm -hmm. understand that there are certain things that might be just really good questions that I haven't had the opportunity yet to understand. And Mm -hmm. so that's a really good reminder. It's like, no matter where you are in your role, it's okay not to know everything. And I think that we always think that we need to be at the top but there's just, there's, there is no top. There's only your own top. So I, I love everything that you pointed out there. How do you handle, or how did you handle all of your moments of maybe imposter syndrome and like confidence? Like how did you navigate that as you grew into your career? If you have any tips. Yeah, definitely. Um, so imposter syndrome is real. Uh, it, it will be real. And it will never go away unless, you know, I don't know. You just, but I'll, especially when you change companies from, you know, tech, they different industries. For, I've jumped from like consumer electronics to education to uh, finance. And every single time it was, uh, it was real. Like you think that you don't belong or you just don't know what you're talking about compared to everyone else. I think the main advice is that little victories. Um, be happy about those small accomplishments and that's going to build on later on. So somebody gives you a project like, Hey, build me like a spreadsheet of this and this and that. Sometimes you're looking at this data and you're just like, the hell am I doing? Like, I'm about to talk to this person that probably knows the ins and outs of everything. And I'm supposed to give them advice. Right. And you're like, who am I to even don't worry about that. Get it out of your head and do what's in front of you accomplish your task, ask a ton of questions. They're gonna, they know that you don't know. Like they know that you're gonna, you know, that you're evolving in this role, that you're gonna later on become the expert. Just, you know, if you're new, people know you're new. It's just in your head that you think you should be, uh, you know, go from zero to a hundred to be like, you know, a guru, you won't be. So little accomplishments, you know, small steps, small minds, uh, milestones, and that's going to help you build that confidence. Be like, oh, okay, I got this right. Let's keep going. All right, oh, next. What's next? What's next? And once you get the swing of things, that's going to build up your confidence. You know, by the time you're a couple of years in your career, you're going to sit there comfortably and be like, why did I even like think this of myself before? So it's it will always be there and it will always go away. Oh my God, that's so beautiful. And it's so true. It's like, at least in my role, for example, like every single time, I think I have to be so much further along than I am, but you would be surprised by how many people in ahead of you even might look at you and be like, well, I think you know a lot, like you're bringing a lot of insight to the table, like you're here for a reason. And if you're just starting, you're also starting for a reason. Like there's something about you that might actually bring value as you go along, but we're all, I feel like we kind of get stagnated by the intimidation and the fear of starting and not being all so ahead. Like a few episodes ago, I spoke with two web developers who are very far along in their career, 
but it's amazing. They had to work to get there, right? And even when they're there, they're still developing and building to get further along. So it's all really good points that I think it's important for everybody to remember. We just, we have to keep going. We have to keep growing. We have to keep learning. I want to transition to now you're working an education company. I want to understand a little bit better from your perspective, what is it like to be in a more technical data-centric role? You're a data analyst, Mm data-centric role in a company that may not be as well-versed in technology. How does that work in your experience so far? So I think that has to do with how you're utilizing tech, taking skills like, you know, Python or SQL and dealing with a ton of data, you could create some kind of joins for, oh, another thing is visualizations. So what we, what I learned in tech is that higher ups know a lot less tech than people that mm-hmm. are on They like pictures and they like graphs and they like simple things, like anything more than three graphs on a presentation makes them confused. So... So, so what I like to do is, for example, visualization tools like Tableau or Power BI sounds super complicated and heavy. They are, they are not. There's a million tutorials online that will, you'll be an expert within a week, I swear to God. Um, and that will help you effectively present things. And hey, how about I teach you guys how to use a dashboard instead of making clunky presentations all the time? You could go in and actually pull this data yourself or look at whatever you want. Like, for example, one of those one of the projects I was working on, they want to look at like um, the South American market and how those students are coming into the United States. So they expected a presentation. I built them a BI dashboard, be like, hey, here's all these graphics. You just filter like what country do you want to see? Colombia, click. Where are they going? How many of them are going? Year over year changes and um, different types of little statistics that you'll know that these people are gonna want to see. And, and that's really it. I mean, you could take any industry um, and use your technical skills that you picked up along the way to integrate them in. So it doesn't have to be a tech company that you work for. It's just those skills that you pick up and they, always, they will always translate into, and that's your value, using those tools. How has technology and your, your knowledge of tech um, benefited your career as if, as in, do you think that people, let's say in that higher level would benefit from actually understanding technology in a much more, in a much deeper or more involved way? Uh, yes, I think it would benefit everybody and it would make things a lot easier across the board. If, if, if you're somebody who's using this data, yeah, absolutely. And I think there should be more trainings. And I think, I think companies should be, you know, more aware of the new and more efficient technologies that are out there and provide those tools to people. And I think a lot of companies don't. I agree. And I think that the more that we understand technology and like how it all fits into the puzzle, the better we might be off. What advice would you give to people listening who are just starting off in their tech career? Research. Number one is research. Research the industry. If you want to get into automotive, research to automotive space, who are the big players are, what are the recent trends? Um, and automotive is just an example. You could, it could be anything, just apply that to any industry. Uh, and two, um, the main metrics that you would need to use. 
So if you are going to break into tech and you want to, let's say, become an analyst, your job is going to be very trend heavy. You're going to look at numbers that are going up and down and shares year over year, month over month, like things like that. Very basic calculations, very basic, like very basic math. You, unless you're going into a hardcore programming field, which I can't, you know, speak to, I could, I, you know, I dabble a little bit of like SQL and, you know, database design. I'm not a coder by far, <clears throat> but like, if you're getting into that space, uh, learn the tools, research the industry, figure out what um, metrics and trends that people want to see or, and this is readily available information. This isn't a secret. You could find all of this research. It will take totally. you a few hours to do practice free courses. If you want to really, you know, like hit the ground running instead of somebody like teaching you at work. Um, and then I think those are the main, like three, four things that you're going to need because everything else is just going to be super specific to the job. And that's, that's what you're going to learn down the, the line. Way. Your degree is, your degree is going to show the employer that you are smart enough to get a piece of paper, to sit through, you know, years of stuff. You have commitment. Check. Do you have industry knowledge? You did the research. Check. Do you understand how the business work? You know, the metrics. Check. Tools. Excel. I can't speak, you know, like the reason why I keep saying that is because it has not changed in a decade. Um, and there's going to be some interesting stuff, you know, uh, rather specific tools that you're going to be using along the way. But for the most part, reporting and, you know, meetings and it's just, you know, no Microsoft. And that's the very basics of what you really need to know. So play, get to know it, play, figure yeah. it out. Yeah. Go as you go. Exactly. What, um, what's a day in the life in your role as a data analyst? curious oh, how, how would you describe it to listeners uh day in the life uh i mean i feel like this is gonna be like an instagram reel where i have to like yes stand it from the side and like drink coffee and then look perfect the I'll, I'll try to create one let's see if i can do yeah, it i'm still learning how to do that <laughs> uh -huh. um, a day in the life with the mug <laughs> so in this particular job, it's very project-based. Um, my boss, he is in the UK. So by noon, he's signing off. He's he's a really cool guy. He's very responsive. I just don't expect him to always be on call for me all the time. So when he sleeps, I work. When I work, I mean, he sleeps or yeah. So we have an opposite schedule, but we'd set up a meeting. For example, early in the morning, I would accommodate like seven or eight in the morning. It would be the end of the day for him. He would have the whole day of thinking what project to give me. I would wake up, caffeinate myself, and jump on a call. Write down, you know, what he needs from me that day. And then I start working. At the end of the day, you know, I wrap up. I send him be like, hey, man, here's all the stuff I did. Here's the presentation, the analysis, whatever. And then he would review it overnight. And then the next day, he would, you know, give me feedback. We would have a catch-up or... If there's any kind of ad hoc things that are come along um so that's that's my particular role you know others uh, other days it's like okay we need we have meetings we have uh presentations because I, I work with um, a lot of university partners so they might need different types of insights and metrics for example i think 
there's a university in Oregon that wants to recruit more international students, which is exactly what they do. And they're like, hey, can you give us some like high level summaries of what's happening in the market? So it would be like, okay, there's a slowdown from China, which was the bread and butter back in the day, but now because of geopolitical things and COVID and other stuff is slowing down. Um, other markets like Latin America, let's say Middle East are ramping up, you know, students. So those are the kind of things they want to know. And they're not asking for like hardcore figures or whatever. They just want to be like, oh, okay, where should we concentrate our business? So those are the, that's the kind of um, work I do. Uh, behind that is you know all the metrics and calculations that pull a lot of data from like really horrible government websites <laughs> but um what i like to do and the way i realized i love to work is i live in we, we both live in san diego and we love this place i'm not gonna waste daylight you know working and this sounds bad but i want to work when i want to work so I'll work in the morning. During the day, I want to go play volleyball. Um, I want to go to the gym. I want to enjoy the sunlight. I want to go mountain biking. Later on at night, I come back. I'll have some dinner. And while it's quiet and nobody's bothering me, nobody's texting or pinging me on Teams, that's when I go to work. And that's when I do majority of my work is actually at night. So mm. that's me personally. A lot of people maybe don't do that or need an office environment. I don't need that. I've commuted long enough. I've lived in New York City, have commuted in and out of the city for years. Uh, horrible experience, in my opinion. Some people Same. live for it. Same. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, I, I ran west as fast as I could to get away from it. And, you know, it, it all depends what you want. Some people love the hustle and bustle. A day in the life for me is chill. You know, my cat is my coworker. Uh... I'd rather talk to her. So, Where is she? Can, I, can we see her? She's probably hanging out on the balcony somewhere. So we, oh, have to, we would love we have a guest star. We had yeah. a guest star in one of our last episodes of our, our dog, um, Matilda. So cute. Um, I think that's another thing that's maybe going to be more of a season two. Um, will be a lot about how do you work in like, what's your workplace experience as like while you're in the tech industry, because being in the tech industry, I think, gives us a lot of freedom to also live our lives. And I think that's very important to remember. Mm -hmm. um, and some of, uh, some of us get very stuck in very much being in our role. And then we forget about also living our lives. So I love that you said that and you're straight up. And I'm the same way. I mean, like, I love my time. I love my son. I love my volleyball. And that's something that I think is so important. Um, being in the tech industry that is so go, go, go. It's so ambitious. It's so like intense that we sometimes forget to take time off. So I love that you mentioned that. And there's, it's not, it doesn't sound bad. It sounds great. And it's actually part of like what I think it will be a season two about how do you navigate your work-life balance in the tech industry. But um, Stan, really great insights. I think overall, one of the things that I think means a lot to me when I interview people and talk about tech is remembering that everybody's human. And mm -hmm. we think of these, we think of people when we're already in the tech industry, we see them and they're like, well, they look integrated. They know what they're talking about. They're confident. Um, it, it sounds like it, it almost is like an, you should have this right away 
But every time I talk to people, you included, it's like, no, I've had struggles. I've had to learn these life lessons to get to where I am. So for anyone listening, just don't, just don't forget that we've all started somewhere. You know, we've all started at the very, very, very bottom and we've grown into the top. Like it's growing pain. That's what they call it. Right. Um, I have a last question that I love to ask people. It has nothing to do with technology, but it has everything to do with what I love and about maybe this podcast, but what makes you the happiest you? Oh, um, I think that's easy. That's having time to enjoy my life. And I think that's where, you know, I'm, I'm the happiest where I know that everything I needed to do is accomplished and there is no, uh, the fun that I'm having and everything that I want to do, I deserve. And that's the happiest me. Like you have the sense of accomplishment. You check off everything you wanted to do for the day. And you go, let's say you go play volleyball, you go do whatever hobby you want to do and you feel like you deserve it. And that's your like present. And that's, that's what makes me the happiest. Um, yeah. I love that. That's very important. I think that you're doing it right. That's exactly what I think is is important for everybody to know is that like we can we have accomplishments we have goals in tech but we also have lives and we have other things that make us whole and i love that you're doing it so stan this was amazing it was so good to learn from you and talk to you and thank you so much for your time thank you for being here and thank you all for listening um stay tuned for the next one and we'll see you guys then